Hi, everyone, and welcome to IDEA, Advancing Inclusion and Diversity, an ongoing series about advancing inclusion, diversity, equity, and access in the licensing industry. I'm Maura Regan, President of Licensing International, the Trade Association for the Global Brand Licensing Industry. Before we begin, a huge shout out and thank you to National Basketball Players Association for generously sponsoring and supporting this podcast. In 2020, Licensing International partnered with the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. We commissioned the Institute to conduct a research study to understand the scope of DNI in our industry and importantly, to set a baseline for ongoing research and improvement. This study established that 30% of companies surveyed do in fact have DNI programs, which is fantastic, but and this is important, employees are often unaware of these programs. And in fact, only 10% of respondents actually knew if such programs had dedicated resources and budgets. So our aim with this series is simple. As well as the toolkit that is freely available on our website and our quarterly workshops, our goal here is to make it easier for businesses, big and small, to affect meaningful, measurable change within their companies. In this first episode, you'll hear from Pam Kaufman, president of Viacom CBS Consumer Products, and Marva Smalls, executive vice president, global head of inclusion and executive VP of public affairs, kids and family entertainment brands at Viacom CBS as well. They'll be discussing why Viacom CBS has mandated that DNI is a company-wide imperative from the top down and the bottom up and the actions they're taking to implement and affect meaningful change. At Viacom CBS, diversity, equity, and inclusion are at the heart of everything we do. And that is largely in part thanks to the guest we're gonna have today, my great friend and colleague, Marva Smalls. So I've known Marva for over 20 years, and we have been on a diversity and inclusion journey together for a very long time. I just wanna share that, you know, Marva and I were part of a very small experimental group of eight employees that went through an 18 month boot camp on diversity inclusion. Marva and I learned so much, and I know that I will always treasure that time together and all that we experienced. I have learned so much from Marva over the years, and so many times I've reached out to her on numerous occasions when I wasn't sure about decisions that were being made by our partners, and in some cases, decisions being made by my own colleagues. And she's always been there and really has been there to provide me with tremendous counsel. You know, Marva, I can't thank you enough for being here today. I truly believe, and I know you do too, that the licensing business can give us a tremendous opportunity to provide products that reflect our diverse and global population. As the global head of inclusion at Viacom CBS and executive vice president, public affairs, kids and family entertainment brands, Marva has fostered strategic initiatives and partnerships that promote and advance diversity, inclusion, and belonging for Viacom CBS worldwide. Over the years, she has developed best-in-class diversity and inclusion initiatives and advisory councils that many of us lean into and have inspired employee engagement and fostered a collaborative culture 
while driving innovation and business results. She's established Viacom's employee resource groups globally and expanded key partnerships in international markets. I have to say it's hard to overstate the incredible work that Marva has done at Viacom and now at Viacom CBS. We talk about our DNI progress in all of the leadership that we do at Viacom CBS Consumer Products meetings. You heard Maura reflect our DNI four pillar plan. It's a really important prescriptive tool in measuring how much we can move the needle. And again, it's why we wanna be here today. We wanna continue to have a dialogue in this industry around diversity and inclusion. So you are a trailblazer. That's an understatement. You have set the bar for all of us in terms of creating a great work environment where there's an opportunity and a meaningful feeling of inclusion. I'd love to know what do you think are the most notable differences around DNI today versus when you first started the company? Well, first, Pam, let me congratulate you and all of your colleagues in the industry for leaning into this moment, having this discussion, grounding it in research on the approaches spot on. And I hope at some point you'll throw away the questions and you and I can do what we typically do, just talk and have a good time. I think, you know, one of the biggest differences when I started focusing on diversity and inclusion as a full-time role, the difference is at that time, diversity was pretty much around visible diversity and representation. And now the focus is much broader to include inclusion, belonging, and the myriad of demographics that make up diversity. Two, there's so much time spent um, we have to establish the business case for diversity. Well, the business case for diversity now is the business. You know, KPIs, everywhere you look, diversity impacts every part of the ecosystem of companies and, and their deliverables. So it's evolved from just race to include gender, sexual orientation, cultures, size, where you belong, the experiences you have. And it's been an important movement. The other thing I would say is there's much more of an intentional focus now. You know, there was a time when many in the industry, including leaders, would say, well, we've got to do our day jobs and then we'll get to the diversity piece. Well, it is the day job. It is the every day job. It is seamlessly integrated. And I think in this zeitgeist moment that we're in now, this moment actually that has become a movement since May 25th and all of the attention post-George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, now consumers are, are more empowered, more emboldened, more impassioned with their voices and what they expect around transparency, accountability based on what they learn in terms of transparency, and in many cases also the consequences that, that go from being a part of it or not. And along those same lines, in your business, consumers want to see themselves. They want to see themselves not only on screen, they want to see themselves in product. They want their cultures reflected 
So the change is diversity. It's not just in this little box. That's something you get to when you aren't focusing on the rest of the business. And now it is very much the state of the business, full stop, period. Marva, I love, I first of all, I wrote it down again. I love what you said. The business case for diversity is the business. I do remember many meetings where, you know, we look at the spending power and try to make people understand why we need to be representing various communities. And and you're absolutely right. Now it is the business. It's almost ridiculous to even talk about it as the business case. I love that. This is a conversation happening at all of our meetings. It's not just, okay, let's put diversity on the agenda. It's been an ongoing dialogue. I think the other thing that's been amazing, and this kind of leads to my next question is, maybe historically we've been so focused on our organization and you've also been leaning into what we're putting out behind the camera, you know, in front of the camera, obviously we have some of the most incredible content in the world. And you've also been leaning into that space beyond obviously our organization. So my, at least my next question, what do you see as some of the most definitional moments for us as a company, especially in the last six months, you talked about where we've been, where we're going, but really in the last six months, what do you think has been the biggest defining moment? I think we really, as a company, totally have embraced the concept, ours is a shared journey. Diversity lives and breathes within and across the entire company. I think a defining moment, there's several defining moments, of course, inclusion week. But leading to inclusion week, it means buying into a shared vision that starts at the top. You know, I presented to the Viacom CBS board yesterday And it really does show our board is paying attention. They're engaged. They are building accountability to Bob. Bob's building accountability to the senior leadership team and including you in terms of the expectations. Um, So I think more ownership across the organization that while the strategy is set by the Office of Global Inclusion, the real driving of initiatives occur throughout. You know, we merged a year ago. The integration of our two companies and our shared values around diversity and inclusion and the alignment of our employee resource groups who are just a cornerstone of our engagement initiatives. You know, the amount of time we've actually spent around diversity and inclusion with listening to our employees. I often say it's the ear that commands the story. Um, So we need to know what our employees are thinking, feeling, what they expect. And I will focus not only on diversity, but also inclusion and belonging and understanding that it is a competitive differentiator from us. Diversity without inclusion is tokenism. Inclusion without really creating that sense of belonging where our employees feel they are part of the value add of growing this business is an important piece. And some of what you've talked on, we've made an enormous amount of commitments around how we want to engage creators across our pipeline of what's on our air, what's on our platforms. Think about what you're saying in terms of your four pillars in the consumer products world, but much more intentionality about increasing BIPOC representation in terms of what we're producing on screen, the launch of inclusivity councils. I mean, this has just been a banner year. And if I summed it up, it really is the ownership and belief and leaning in to the notion that it is a shared journey across all of Viacom CBS. 
I love that. And, you know, Marva, someone on our team said, I, this is so great. It's a movement, not a moment. I keep writing that down because people think, okay, I'm going to, let's do this and then we'll move on. And this is just a movement and it's permeating every part of our company. Like you said, through the content and all of that, I think and for I us, to- Pam, it is also, you know, from this moment to movement, it is also about not just settling for best practices. Right. We are really trying to move the needle on next practices. And leaders, whether it is in our content creation, again, what you're doing in consumer products, how we engage our employees. And I think one big thing for us that's happening with many companies now is the transparency of sharing our data, public facing um, lens into the work we're doing, the willingness to sign up to be measured by third party vendors to keep us honest, to keep us true to our mission, vision, and values around diversity and inclusion and belonging. Yeah, I want to build off of that because, you know, a lot of people think, unfortunately, not at, I don't think we do at our company, but people do think that the responsibility of DNI is with the chief diversity officer. And I remember when you were considering the role, I don't want to tell too many tales out of school, but I know that was something you, you felt very strongly about. And I think it's important we have a there's a lot of people watching today, Marva, and I do think it's important to double down on the fact that the DNI is owned by really every individual of the company. And I'd love you to talk a little bit about that. And also, and I always quote you, you know, what gets measured obviously gets done. And so we've also, you know, been really kind of trying to focus on our measurement goals. Some are tough, some are easier. You know, you and I are going to talk next week about this industry with thousands of licensees and and how do we achieve success. And so I'd love you to talk a little bit about the ownership of diversity and inclusion in a company. And then again, how to think about it and what does success look like? Well, it's imperative. You can't, you know, Pam, if you remember, maybe that's why you chuckled. I said no to this job uh, I know. a few times. Um yeah, I was embedded in Nickelodeon, love Nickelodeon. But for me, I needed to know that this was going to be an authentic and transparent you know, experience for the company. I needed to know that there were going to be resources committed, that the tone was going to be set from the top, that the CEO will be holding leaders accountable for driving the mission of the work, not just me accountable, that there would be resources committed. Yeah, when I look at the report from the Gina Davis Institute in terms of what's missing or need to be leaned into by this industry, it's all of the things that we don't take for granted and we have leaned into. So sharing the vision is leadership, is collective leadership. We have a global inclusion advisory committee that's made up of the senior most leaders across the company. They represent the shorthand to both functional areas and business areas, the ecosystem of our employee resource groups, helping be an advocate for professional development and representation in key places, key innovative uh, moments of a company. Our partnerships, engaging our partners external, whether it's our advertising and marketing partners, our social justice, racial equity partners. If you left this role and the mission of driving diversity and inclusion only to a small group of people, 
you're going to have impact. So you need the diversity of the teams leaning into this process. Otherwise, homogenized teams yield homogenized results. We are really focusing on holding ourselves accountable. So it's not just our numbers around representation, it's participation in surveys like Gallup. So we can also measure our inclusion barometer with employees. But you know, it's what gets measured gets done. What gets done gets rewarded. And what right. gets rewarded gets repeated. <laughs> so right. it is having, again, everyone buy into that to understand the value add. It's going to help with recruitment. It will help with the kinds of um, products and content we develop. And even our external partners, creators, understand their responsibility to adopting our values and our zero tolerance for creating a respectful and inclusive environment for all of those who are part of the Viacom CBS ecosystem. I use that word a lot because it's not just one business, we're global. And we also have to reflect the globalness of our company and whatever approach we're taking. There's no one size fits all. I love that. And I, you know, I just also want you to, you know, you've also challenged the organization on not just on the content and the organization, but third party vendors. And I, you know, I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that because we even have, you know, we're looking at our suppliers, whether they be creative agencies or the people, the companies working with. So it really is a thorough look on diversifying who we're working with. Well, supplier diversity is important. Who you invite to the table. And we, we, think of supplier diversity in part of our linking business to the community. We want to impact the businesses in the communities where our employees live, as well as in the geography where we do business. Um, So our goals around supplier diversity, women, LGBT, vendors, ethnic suppliers, And we're also hearing from our partners that it matters with whom we're engaging in order to validate for them we're the right company for them to do business with. And even when you think about end consumer products, just a small pivot there, you're diversifying a pipeline of creators and vendors and those who can now partner with you in developing product for our characters to reflect our content Supplier diversity is a value add. It creates more efficiency, makes you more competitive, and it absolutely helps the bottom line. Right. Let's talk about the consumer products business and the licensing industry, because I think what's really exciting, again, having you here today, and I just do want to give another shout out to Mara, because it was the first thing she and I spoke about when she became president of the association. How do we shake up this industry? you know, and bring diversity to our partners, to our licensees, and quite frankly, just get some new talent in. And Maura was right on board and said, sign up. And again, that's what today is all about. So congrats, Maura. And obviously the work we're doing with Gina Davis is great. But I also think there's so much more we can do. And we are in it for, obviously, as I said, the movement. We license our content, everyone that's watching, to companies who create products that go to retail all over the world. 
And, you know, representation really matters. And it's been slow, I think, in this space. And I do believe we have the opportunity to make a huge impact. You know, you and I are meeting next week about what the Viacom CBS consumer products team is doing. But I'd love you to talk about and just double down on some of the companies you think are doing great and and just hit on why this industry is so important to the consumer and to the diversity movement. Well, look, this industry can have transformative impact on on driving diversity, inclusion, and representation globally. The fact is marginalized populations, underrepresented populations are clamoring for more representation, not only to see themselves in the content that's produced on screen on our platforms, but they want to see themselves reflected in product, their culture, their language. If you think about the multicultural industry, a multicultural population will have over four trillion in spend and by 2022, next year. So the opportunity to allow those consumers to not have to settle for just anything that's on the market, but to be able to actually go out and buy something that's reflective of them. You know, I remember I was so excited with American Girl when it launched because having a young niece, I wanted her to be able to try to customize and see herself in a doll. And it wasn't just the customization, but it was the the multi-ethnic opportunity to purchase. You know, I look at commitments that have been made by large companies and partners, Walmart, and, and what they are doing not only in terms of how they're arranging their stores and and their philanthropic spirit in the community, but just even the proximity of things that they partner with, Gina Davis and and the film festival, Spin Master, because again, diversity isn't just around visible diversity in terms of race and ethnicity, but also leaning in more into the disabled space. So when you think about, you know, being able to show Rex, are there early days, can you- Shout out, Harva, we didn't even reverse that. I like that. Can you just imagine or remember rather the profound impact that Dora had on communities, Latinx and Hispanic communities not only in terms of as a doll, but her changing the conversation around language. And when you think about those doll tests that still make me cry, that are still relevant in many places today, the opportunity to disrupt the kids, how they see themselves, it reminds me of our Content for Change initiative where we are going to very intentionally invest in research partners, advisors, to help us create content that not only model how communities that are marginalized and underrepresented see themselves, but also to address stereotypes and biases that occur when people aren't paying attention. And it's no less an opportunity area 
for those in the licensing and consumer product space. Target, look, you saw, you saw my hair looking one way on film and now, well, the amount of time I spent as I learned to migrate and looking for product that's reflective of my culture and me is an, is an important piece. And that, that Lele, you know, the opportunity to bring a new vendor in, Fresh Dolls, that's just huge because it's not only impacting the ecosystem in terms of supplier diversity, but what a cultural icon is going to be to be able to see this hot, young, influencer girl, people really connecting to her. So the opportunity for consumer products to transform in the same way that content on air transforms the entire ecosystem of product creation. But that also means you've got to build teams who are diverse and who can help bring that innovative thought partnership and thought leadership to your development and creative process. That's great. No, first of all, thank you. And I do agree. I mean, I'm really proud of the work. Well, you know, listen, the reason why you and I loved for our company as long as we have is obviously the content that we've made and the representation. And I, and like you said, I only see, you know, getting better from here. And yeah, it's been great from the CP perspective. We've been really focused on the BET brand. You mentioned the Macro Lele. Um, we are looking at all different kinds of licensing to work with Lele and, you know, Santiago the Seas. So, it's actually never been more exciting to be at the company and in this business than right now. And I can feel it with the teams in every corner of the world. They truly feel like they can make a difference just by signing up new partners and bringing new licensees into the company and working with retail different. And, you know, we've got a huge focus on black owned businesses now and Mm -hmm. it's exhilarating. And like you said, it's not the business case, it is the business. And our business is in incredibly strong shape right now. So thank you for that. The business case for diversity is business. Diversity creates opportunities for growth, it drives consumer engagement, and it helps attract and retain corporate talent. Diverse companies are smart companies. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'd also like to thank Licensing International's amazing idea committee chaired by the wonderful Jamie Stevens, Executive Vice President of Worldwide Consumer Products, Sony Pictures Entertainment, and our generous sponsors, National Basketball Players Association, NFL Players Association, Sony Pictures, and Peanuts Worldwide, a division of Wild Brain Entertainment. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, and we hope you did, please let your friends and colleagues know about this by sharing this podcast or by visiting licensing.org. And by subscribing, you'll be aware of all of our upcoming episodes. Please also rate and review this podcast. We'd love to hear what you think. Thanks again.